My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. And I want to be able to meet this judgment, whatever this judgment is. I want to be able to meet it knowing that I have done my best to fulfill the criteria set by Christ himself. Not Pentecostalism, Christ himself. The one who died on the cross, that Christ, his judgment is going to be set when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all the nations. He shall separate them one from another as the shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on his right hand, the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them at his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Here's your criteria. Here's the criteria that sets whether or not you're going to have oil in your lamps as well and, and, and in your vessels as well as in your lamps. This is the criteria set. I want the anointing oil not just in my lamp. I want it in my vessel. I want that hidden reserve, that extra. And the only way you're going to receive that is you got to meet this criteria. So here's your criteria. For I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed you, thirsty and gave you drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as ye have done it unto the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. That's pretty plain. As a matter of fact, it gives the same criteria for those who didn't do it, and they were sent to everlasting punishment, and but the righteous to life eternal. So this is a serious judgment here, and I want to be able to meet it, and I want you to be able to meet it. The best way for me to do that is to give you opportunity to serve in that capacity and do just exactly that so that you can meet the same criteria. Philippians 1.12 will be my text. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And then in Psalm 121 and 5, he, he, he describes this right hand thing a little bit more in detail. The Lord is thy keeper and the Lord is the shade 
upon thy right hand. And so I think that that is important. So my text is advance the gospel. And I think everybody here ought to just advance it. And even if you, can, you say, well, how can I advance it? Just one step, one person, one situation, one prayer, one deal at a time. Just one thing at a time. That's how you do it. And when you get convinced of that, then it's not such a big project. And now you've got it narrowed down to where everybody can manage it and handle it and do it. And I want you to meet that judgment. And I want you to be a sheep and not a goat. We don't need no goat faces in the house. We need sheep. And I want to be a sheep. I don't know about you, but I want to be on the right hand of my God. Okay? God bless you. You may be seated. Think about prayer times in the past. Think about going to youth conventions and youth camps. How many of you remember the old youth camps that you used to go to and you just spend time in the altar laid out on the floor? Anybody remember those times where you shouted the house down? Anybody remember those spiritual, supernatural experiences and revival meetings long ago? And I mean, think about the prayer times impacting when you said yes to serve God in ministry. Surrender at that special service. I know it was real. I know you were sincere when you did that. And yet, it just seems like somewhere there's a disconnect and there's a breakdown between that altar and the back door. I wish I could find that breakdown between here and there so that I could shut it down, go and do something about it because it seems that whatever burden we get, we lose it by the time we get to that back door. It means that we delay our participation in it. It may be days and weeks and months and years before kingdom service ever begins, and for some it never really happens. So what is this disconnect? Well, one disconnect is, is that everybody's waiting on God, and God is waiting on us. We don't need a big service in order to serve. We need to find the one that needs prayer now and pray for them that God would minister his grace. We're waiting on God while he's waiting on us. And after our heartfelt yes to God's call at service, we wait too much for God to do this and that, and he's expecting us to take the next step. Once you've said yes to Jesus, we can expect that God is able to open the door for us to fulfill this criteria, to minister to a child, to come to church and be friendly enough to smile at everybody, even when you don't feel good. But you know it's your mission now because you don't want to interrupt one person's opportunity to be saved. Now, I may not be the one that actually initiated them and the invitation to come, but I certainly don't want to ruin it for somebody else because I was in a bad mood. Can I just be honest with you? I'm tired of moody Pentecostals. Get over it. Find out your God is bigger than your emotions. I know we're all going through something, 
but we don't need your bad mood. What we need is somebody to walk in here and say, I'm on point, I'm on mission. And my mission is to reach the one. In all careers, there are preparations and training that are expected before engaging and even while engaging. We tend to think that the kingdom service is all dependent on God and little or none on us. We think that kingdom involvement doesn't involve us in the same way of being an electrician or a nurse or an airplane or a mechanic or a dentist. So we disconnect while we wait on God and all the while he's waiting on us to move in his direction. But the word says, his word's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And once God has illuminated the path, we need to move into it. It requires more than preparation, but we've got to have, I know sincerely, we've got to say yes to the Lord, but we've also got to be aware that there's opportunities to do this every day of our lives. But we're so busy and we're so caught up with ourselves and our own stuff that sometimes we don't think about it. Disconnect number two is limited ministry vision. It's amazing that we limit God. We put God in a small box and, and, and we must not limit God in the possibilities because he's got some great things in store for everybody here to be a minister, for everybody here to do your part. I'm not asking you to win 20,000 people. I'm just asking you to touch one person. Now, here's what I've learned, and you've got to accept this, and I've done this many, many times, so I've been pretty experienced at it. There's a lot of people I reach in Bible studies that don't come all the way through that Bible study and come to church. But if I do my part, if I witness and I invite somebody out there and they don't come, somebody that wasn't invited by anybody will come through that back door and sit over here and get saved in connection to my effort over here. You need to quit giving up just because you're not rewarded for your spectacular service. It may not be, oh, honey, I just hate to tell you this, but it ain't about you, praise God. But if I come to church faithfully, and if I worship God faithfully, there's no telling what God will do through that. I just want you to understand, whatever the cause, when we wrongly assume that kingdom service involves just a few possibilities, we limit it. We can't disconnect from active service every single day. Now, here's another disconnect. Boy, this is really something Pentecostals got to work on. Would y'all please work on it? Turn to your neighbor and say you need to work on it. Did you think ministry is a switch? It's either all on or all off. And there's no such thing as an on and off with God. God set the universe, the earth, the planet, everything on a circular motion. It is called in Ezekiel, the wheel in the middle of the wheel. You don't need to reinvent the wheel, honey. You just need to get on it and let's ride. Hallelujah. Come on now. That means... 
This is, this is the way it works. Let me just break it down for you. This is what Paul told Timothy. Be instant in season and out of season. That means when you're on, you still on. And when you're off, you're still on when you're off. Whether off or on, we're still on. And God's still the same. And he don't change. Just because you're in a bad mood tonight. And this is what I've told you before, and I'm going to tell you one more time. Don't come in here and expect somebody to sing you out of your bad mood. You are in bad company when you do that. That is Saul and David all over again. And I refuse to let this Pentecostal church become just another Saul-David mess where you're not delivered from your evil spirit. It just comes back on you by the time you get to that door. I wish somebody would be able to rise above. Yes, everybody's got a bad day every once in a while, but you don't have to bring it in here if you're connected to the dial. I say dial it up. Woo! I said in the name of Jesus, you don't have to feel it all the time. You can worship God no matter what. Advance the gospel. I believe that God's Ministry is an ongoing process. I mean, I can never leave it because there's always somebody who needs prayer. There's always somebody who needs God and everybody needs to get involved. It's not a one and done situation like a switch. Oh, we turn it all on and then when we go out to TGI Fridays or out to wherever you go, Krispy Kreme on Nine Mile, Wherever you go, you turn it off because I don't want my light to shine too bright on these people. I say turn your light on. Say, well, I need to call somebody to pray for them. No, you need to pray for them right then. If we think ministry's a switch that you turn on and off, it disconnects you from action. But the work of God is a dial. It's a wheel, circular in motion. Okay, so I want you to advance this, and I want you to set the dial by creating more availability. I want you to be available. Now listen to me. Here's what I've learned. Expect ministry to be inconvenient. Some believe that kingdom service shouldn't affect our discretionary time. No time for prayer, but you still got time for Netflix binging. I got no time for Bible study and meditation, but you sure are trolling Facebook. Because I get all of your messages and all that stuff you thought was hidden that I can see on Facebook. I mean, don't you have sense enough to know everybody can see that? Well, that didn't go over too well. And you're Instagram pretending, but you can't worship in a church service. No time for ministry practices, meetings, or training, but you sure can hike and kayak and fish and hunt. You want to say yes to ministry, but you don't like people. 
because people are mean. But what they need is a sweet apostolic that can unmean them. Somebody needs to be available. We say no to less important things so we can say yes to eternal things. We say no to good things so we can say yes to the best things. We say no to ordinary things so that we can say yes to kingdom things. That's what you mean when I say commitment and discipline. It means being aware of people around you. Commitment is an engagement or obligation that restricts freedom of action. Now, some of you say, well, I remember I've missed opportunity. This is what you do with a missed opportunity. And you're going to have to learn to do this because this is a part of your maturing process. Everybody here, including me, has missed opportunities to minister to people. You need to do what Jesus taught his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane when they missed the magnificent moment to spend one hour with Jesus before his crucifixion in prayer. And they slept all the way through the whole process. He said, sleep on now, take your rest. For all those of you that sleep in church, he was not talking to you. (laughs) But he turned right around in the same breath and in the same verse said, rise, let us be going. That means what do you do? Forget what you missed, get your little dumb self up and go to the next opportunity. Do it again. If you'll give me another one, I won't miss that. St. Ignatius of Loyola prayed like this. Take, O Lord, and receive my entire liberty, my memory, my understanding, my whole life, all that I am and all that I possess you have given me. I surrender it all to you to be disposed of according to your will. Give me only your love and your grace. With these, I will be rich enough and will desire nothing more. A true commitment to ministry means you have to willingly restrict your own freedom. Can I devote time to Jesus when friends are going out? Can I give Jesus time on sunny days? What about game day? Can I be more interested in serving Jesus than I am in my downtime? I think you ought to turn up the ministry dial by willingly restricting your freedom and creating more availability so you can serve. Here's another one you're going to have to do. Here's how you advance the dial. Set it a little higher and stay connected to Jesus. you got to be available. Yes, everybody say available. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you available now? Okay. Advance the dial by embracing discomfort. Revival, true revival, is extremely uncomfortable. Comfort, listen to me, is an American created expectation. It is not a godly virtue. And nor is it a Christ-like virtue. Comfort certainly isn't a ministry promise. Any of you ever been involved in prison ministry? If you don't think it's uncomfortable, try it. You don't think it's tough? 
Try it. Because you're dealing with the criminal mindset. It's totally, you study the criminal mind. You have to if you're going to be a good minister in the prison in longevity. The way they think is totally different. It's uncomfortable. It's difficult. They're manipulative. You got to learn it. You got to learn how to minister to them and love them anyway. Hey, I, I don't mean to upset you, but ministering to your dysfunctional, aggravating family is uncomfortable. Somebody ought to stand up and say amen on that. But with you helping somebody else reach their prodigal, yours might come walking down the other door. You got to embrace discomfort. Every new dimension I've ever gone to in ministry, it has been uncomfortable. I have to fellowship with new people. I have to find new ways to deal with the intrigues of different levels. And every level has a new devil. One I hadn't faced before, but just as mean and as ugly as I've ever faced. And yet, you, it's uncomfortable. It really is. Ministry's tiring. Drains you spiritually. I'm so tired. I'm burned out. Yeah. Some of y'all get burned out after five minutes. Socially and physically, it's draining. It'll drain you. It'll wear you down. To add to the drain, ministry is people, it's not platform. Come on. Oh, I'm singing to Jesus and I'm ministering. Okay, you got your mic. That's not ministry. Ministry is people. I'm not preaching to entertain you. I'm preaching to reach you because people need Jesus. And God chose the foolishness of preaching. Come on, church. Get with the program and say, I want to be judged by the right criteria. And people progress slowly. Groups progress slowly. I'm going to tell you something. Here's, here's what happens. Slow progress is tough to gauge. And when you're having unproductive results, you're going to have a lot of people trash you through that process. And especially, it'll never come from a participant. It's always going to come from a spectator on the sideline. Because there's always a Monday morning quarterback who could have thrown the ball better. But it's one thing to be sitting, eating popcorn, and then you're in the game. It's one thing for you to be eating popcorn in the bleachers, and then the three, 
three 300 pound linemen are after you and you don't know where you're at because you had to spin around three times to get away from them. And you're just praying somebody's open. <laughs> I got to get rid of this thing. It's a hot potato. It's easy to judge him in the bleacher, but it's more difficult to play the game when you're in the thick of it. But I say we need to get some joy in the battle. And you need to get some support for everybody that's trying to do ministry. Amen. Now, I understand motivation dwindling and your light and inspiration fades. And so that's why I've wanted to connect you to Jesus in personal growth so that that won't happen. Where's your passion? Where's your desire when souls are in this altar? And I got people visiting and laughing and cutting up right by somebody trying to get the Holy Ghost. Yeah, we need to have a burden around here for souls. Well, why don't you hush up for a moment so we can? Oh, I, I, did I upset you? Poor little darling. I messed up your playtime. This is not playtime. This is eternal salvation. I am serious about people getting the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. Now, you need to respect the altar better. You say, well, where do I start? There you, that's a good place right there. Well, I got a great burden for souls, but I can't find you when anybody's praying. But I want to minister. Yeah, start right here. I've had young men in this church, they want to start in the ministry, say, how do I start? I know how. Get in this altar and find somebody to pray for. So how did you start as an evangelist? I'll tell you how I started, with no dad in the ministry, no connection, nothing. I just kept going to the altars and kept praying with people in the altar. I booked every revival with Brother Mangan, with Brother Kilgore, in the altars, praying for people. They said, I need somebody that knows how to pray, and I've watched you every service. You are praying with people. Will you come and preach me a revival? I preached for Brother Kilgore. We had over 300 people get the Holy Ghost in that revival. But I didn't get that revival because I'm a great preacher. But I got that revival because I was in the altars. You say, I want a burden for souls. Then get out of that pew and get up here and find somebody to pray for. You say, well, I don't know what to say. Don't say anything. Pray. Create an atmosphere. Show concern. Start loving people. These people are dysfunctional. They're messed up. They have got more problems than Carter's got pills. But I'm telling you, God can rescue them.
I'm trying to give you enough shock value to just kind of wake you up a little bit and jar you. Not to hurt you or condemn you. I know it's in your heart to do this. You just have to think about it. You have to be aware. You have to be connected. You have to have connection. You say, well, I don't feel connected to this audience. Well, you don't have to be connected to the audience. Because being connected to the audience ain't going to minister to anybody. <laughs> I mean, I love Brother Wilson, but he, you know, and I love all of you, but being connected to you and we got to connect with our audience. No, that means we got to have a certain level of entertainment value. You don't need a connection with the audience. You need a connection with the one who can change people. That's why I want you to do your rule of five. Here's something else you do. You advance the dial by renewing the why. Step back from what you do and remember why you do it. 1 John 3, 16, but this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our life for the brethren. Ministry isn't a job or an assignment. It's an extension of our love for God. It's our returning our love to him. And so I exhibit that by loving his creation. That's not easy. We renew the why of ministry in the presence of God. So being in his presence and enjoying time with him renews our strength. It gives us the ability, the joy of the Lord. You're going to have to have some joy. Now, I've watched you all night long. Some of you haven't smiled yet. Not one time. You need some joy in you. My God, are you that sad? Is it that bad in your life? Do you need counseling? What do you need? Because if you've got Jesus and the Holy Ghost and water baptism and your name's written, Lord, and you got a house and you got a car and you need all the Krispy Kreme donuts at the church you want, what else am I going to do for you to make you happy? Do a song and dance routine? What do I got to do to get you excited about Jesus? My goodness, church. He died on the cross. He rose again. He's given us access to the riches of heaven. I know it's not easy. I'm not trying to diminish your pain or what you're going through or your sorrow or whatever's going in your life. But I'm saying somebody needs to get a hold of God tonight and say, I want to change lives. Psalm 1611, you're in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 84, 2, my soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord, my God. My heart, my flesh cry out. And so that means you need to pray and focus too. If you're going to advance, you can't just pray random prayers and participate in this. You got to pray and focus. Now, we created vision statements and prayer things and directives, and I'm not saying that's the only thing you pray because you've got things that God's put on your heart to pray, and I want you to pray that. That's fine. I'm not here to tell you who to pray for. I'm just here to give and to add to your prayer list our directive as a part of your prayer ministry. 
not as your prayer ministry, but as a part of it. Do you understand the difference between those two? So from now on to the end of the year, I want you to pray and focus. Now, would you please, do, how many of you got a pen and a piece of paper or something? or where? How many of you got one of those Samsung junk things <laughs> that's got the little pen in it? How many of you got an Apple pencil with you? Even if you can write it down on your notes, okay, or just type it into your deal. All right? Now, I'm not even going to tell you because I love you so much. I believe that you'll come up with something. I want you to put down four places you're going to pray for between now and the end of the year. Four places and four people groups. Four kinds of people groups you're going to want to reach. Just put that down. Just write it down. Four places. Now, we're praying for Massachusetts. We're praying for Rhode Island and Connecticut. We've been praying since I preached camp meetings up there a couple of years ago. And I told them we would take them on in prayer. Now, we don't make that a focus every time we have call to war, but we have made that a focus of call to war. Kansas City is another one that we're taking on in our prayer time. So those are places away from us. I'm talking about now. Now, that's fine. You can do that later. I'm talking about places right here in Pensacola. I mean, a good place, just as a suggestion, is Warrington. That's where we're going to do the block party. What kind of people groups do you want to reach? Say, well, everybody's got to want to reach my group. No, it doesn't say that. Some of you are going to reach prisoners. We We got a great prison ministry. We have one of the best visitation healing the sick ministries anywhere. We got one of the best nursing home ministries. Poor sister Lydia, she had to tell me, she said, Brother Kenzie, these people are swamping me from the church. They love us so much, it's so awesome, but I can't handle 8,500 people coming up here. That's how wonderful you can be about stuff like that. That's nothing wrong with that. But yes, we did have to do that in moderation because they were getting upset, the, the people there that worked there. But the thing about it is, that's just to indicate to you, this is in your heart. It's there. I'm not preaching this to put that there. I'm here to stir it up and to focus it. So you got to be focused in prayer. Now, the next thing I want you to do, and you can do this right now, tonight, starting this evening, of course, praying in the altar is a good place to start, but I want you to practice friendliness. Practice friendliness. Well, people have hurt me. Well... Who hadn't been hurt dealing with people? Now, what I want to ask you is how many people have you hurt? And I guarantee you that you will find you've hurt as many people with your attitude as people has hurt you. Generally, it falls right along the same lines. It really does. 
You think about it. You'll be honest with yourself. That's what happens most of the time. So you better forgive everybody because you're going to have to ask people to forgive you. And, you, and, and guess what? I mean, I love you. Please don't misunderstand me. Everybody here needs forgiveness, including me. Pray that God will increase your love for people and practice that love more and more. Now, I know that this will not be a solution, but it's a good place to start. Yes, I want you to invite people. I want you to invite people to sit with you if you meet them and they, and they don't have anybody saying, who, who invited you to come? Do you have any? No. Say, would you come and sit with me? Nothing wrong with that. Would you invite, if you feel to do that, invite people to, if you're going out to eat, invite them to go out and eat with you. I'm not saying you have to bring them over to your house until you know them a little better. I understand that. But you can invite them to go out. Turn up the ministry dial by practicing friendliness. So just start right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, hi. <laughs> hey, you're great. Look at that. All of you are laughing and smiling and cutting up. Turn, turn, to, the, turn to the person behind you and say, it's great to see you. Now, Put that on hold right there. Hold. Hold. I don't want to hurt you, but do it every service. Come on. You can do it. You know, when I was heavily involved in administrative work in different various positions and deals, the work gets heavy, especially if you're doing like a youth congress or something like that, and you're having to run that thing. It's very heavy, and there's a lot of details, and you got to think up everything all the time, and then you have to deal with people. <laughs> then you have to deal with preachers. And so you got to deal with everything, and that can be a very difficult and so my wife would have to send me a note. Smile. <laughs> I'm not frowning because I'm mad. I'm frowning because I'm dog tired of putting up with people. I'm supposed to be ministering to them and I want to kill them. What is the deal, Lord? I want to preach and kill at the same time. It doesn't go together. It really don't. Smile. You know what? Smiling at people and being friendly has a way of releasing a lot of that. That's the point I'm trying to make. The point is, if you'll come in here and be friendly, you'll find out that your pain will subside by getting in a good conversation with somebody else and finding out that you're not as bad off as somebody else who's got a brain tumor. Somebody else who's got brain cancer. Gonna die, but yet we're gonna pray until we hear from heaven and Jesus touches them and brings them out. And I need you on board, focused,
is connected, dialing it up. The good thing about setting a dial is that it always makes everything come to the dial. Wherever you set the pace, everything flows to you. Well, this is the hardest leadership lesson. You attract not what you want, but who you are. So hard. Woo! Try that suit on for size. So you, if you give, you receive what you give. If people aren't being friendly to me, immediately I got to check, am I being friendly? 99 times out of 100, I'm thinking about something, I'm focused on something else, and I just haven't been as friendly. So you know what? I start getting friendly. And guess what happens? Immediately, not, not five months from now, immediately, everybody starts smiling. I just start smiling. Hey, man, what's going on? Some people just can't resist that. Hey, dude, what's happening? And then I find out it was me all along. It's a hard thing to learn. Try it on for size. Let God teach it to you. You attract called the law of attraction, who you are. Change who you are, and you attract something differently. And I know that's a painful lesson, but it's a true lesson. Okay, let's review real quickly, and I'm done. Create availability. Embrace discomfort. Renew the why. Pray and focus. Practice friendliness. That'll set the dial on ministry. Instead of running around trying to correct everybody and criticize everybody, just make yourself look superior. Be a true apostolic Christian and surrender yourself to God. Really, everybody needs grace. Everybody needs forgiveness. Everybody needs another chance at life. And I might make a mistake in that area. But if I'm going to make a mistake, I want to make a mistake on the side of mercy and not the side of judgment. Because whatever judgment you mete out, it's going to be meted back to you again. But I say, church, I want to minister to the sick. I want to clothe the naked. I want to minister to the stranger. I want to minister to people who aren't Pentecostal. Forgive me if I pray for a Presbyterian. Forgive me if I start loving on an Episcopalian. Forgive me if I start loving on the Baptist. Why? Because I'm not in it just to protect myself. I'm in it to preach Jesus to the world. Now, I want everybody to stand. Thank you for being so patient tonight. Thank you, Brother Sloan, for an excellent presentation on what we're planning to do. We've got plenty of time to prepare, so it's not like we're going to do it next week. Spring it on you at the last minute. Because these things are uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable for me. 
they're uncomfortable for me. It's a different environment. It's a different place. It's different people. But it's wonderful to be uncomfortable because you got Jesus to take care of you. Victim. Victims of abuse need loving people to care for them. Victims of substance abuse all their life need a deliverance from Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ. And I believe that there is deliverance. See, church, now listen to me very carefully. I did not preach this to put this in you. That's different. This is already in you. You already want to do this. This ministry that I'm talking about has been preached in this church for however long we've been in existence. I can't remember the number right now. 85, six years, however long. If I asked anybody what the vision is in this building, I would get an immediate answer. It's about souls. It's about preaching Jesus all over the world. Everybody here would give me the right answer because that's what you've been taught. So I'm not preaching to put this in you. It's just that we've lost focus because our circle has been so small and I'm trying to create a bigger circle so that, yes, you're going to get uncomfortable. But you've got it. You've got it in you. So well, what do you want me to do now? I want you to practice friendliness, but I want you to leave this building making up in your mind, somebody, I'm going to pray for somebody to be healed, to be delivered, to be helped, and I'm going to pray for them in Walmart and Kmart or wherever I'm at. There ain't no more Kmart. That's Walmart. Target. Wherever you go, pray for them. Right there. Right there. Now, if you're going to commit to at least doing this, you're going to commit to it. I want you to step out by faith and I want you to walk up here to the front and say, Brother Kinsey, I don't know how it's going to act out in real time, but I'm committing to dialing it up a little bit in here. I'm going to commit. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I just don't know yet. It's all right. You don't have to dial in specifically. No, if you want support, try giving it. And you'll be surprised at how much you receive when you learn to give. Support the efforts of others. Support it. It's in you, church. I am convinced of that. I don't have to put it in you. But we're just in a rut, a circle of comfort that's got to be broken. So if I've shocked you a little bit tonight, it's to jar you to see it 
for what it is. And everybody can do this in some way. Brother Stan Gleason, he does the same thing in his church when he talks about discipleship. And he's got all of his young people excited about discipleship. And what it is is simply what I'm talking about, connecting to somebody and staying with them until they make the full conversion. And their teenagers can tell you the names of people in their school that they're connected to, that they're discipling right now. They're all excited about it. Kids, 10 and 11 and 12 years old, they're connected to people, bringing people to church, excited about it. And I thought it was such a powerful thought. Discipleship. It's a good word. It's a good way to reach the lost in a way that everybody can participate in. Because everybody knows people that are hurting and that need connection, they need relationship, they need you. They need what you've got. Don't cut yourself short. You are a child of the King. You have the Holy Ghost. You got the same Holy Ghost I've got, and I don't have any more than you do. You don't have any more than anybody else. You got the same Holy Ghost, the same name of Jesus, the same baptism, the same God. And you can pray for people. Just be aware of it. You don't have to shiver in guilt and fear. Just be aware. Okay. Use me, God. Here I am. Just you. Here I am. Whatever you want me to do. If you're not comfortable with teaching a Bible study, don't. Find somebody who can do it. And you just stay connected to the person. Just love on them and call them and bake cookies for them. Pay tithes on the cookies. I'm working it in. Hallelujah. People buy Krispy Kreme donuts all the time and don't think anything about paying tithes on that. I mean, I got wonderful saints that bring me donuts while I'm fasting. Whole box of them. Hey, Brother Kinsey, I can't eat that. I'm fasting. What kind of nonsense is that? Of course, they weren't Krispy Kreme, so he's forgiven. Praise God. The point is, church, it's so easy to do this. It's just being aware. Because I believe in you. I believe in the God you serve. I believe that at least you want to serve the Lord. You want to do it. So let's be aware who we are, where we're at, who's around us, and help as many people as God will allow you to help. Just be a witness. Just do it. You are loved. And you are so valuable to the kingdom of God. How many of you want to commit to trying this and being aware of all this and just doing it? Just be aware. God will set you up. He'll hook you up. He will hook you up. You will get hooked. 
And then when you start doing it, listen, when you get this in your spirit, even if the person you're dealing with doesn't get saved, when you see it happening in others and you're going to be a part of it because you're going to walk in here and be friendly to them. You're going to walk in here and get in the altars and pray. Even though you don't pray with them individually because you don't like to do that, that's fine. Just pray around them. Sing with every singer. Don't make them strive to sing. Sing with every singer. If you'd like me, just mouth the words if you can't sing it. Amen. Say, well, I don't sing. Don't sing then. Just mouth the words. But act like you're singing. And act like you're enjoying it. Get with everybody. Every preacher we put in this pulpit, get with them. Don't make them pay usury. A tax. Make it so easy to preach the gospel in this church that anybody, a kid can get up here and preach the gospel and 200 people get the Holy Ghost. That's what this needs to be. Just make it easy. Don't tax people. This is not the time. Say, well, I got here first, so bless God, you got to give me some of your corn over there because you got here last. That's the spirit in Nehemiah's day, and he had to shake his head. Make sh God shake every one of you out of Israel. But you exact usury every one of your brothers. We're not going to exact any usury from anybody. We don't care if they get in in the last minute. Praise God, they're going to heaven. for people to sing in this church and worship. Love on them. Tell them how much you appreciate them. Listen, if we got a spirit of encouragement working in this church right now, it would melt the heart of God. Encourage people. Brother Mike Haney, you're doing an awesome job as Sunday school superintendent. Dana, you're doing an awesome job singing. Kristen, you're awesome, girl. That Brother Strobel, get down with your bad self. Wasn't that an awesome lesson today? Brother Stafford, greatest youth pastor, Brother Sloan, that's not to slight anybody. That's to let them know we support them in what they're doing. I was youth president. I have been, it's been so long. Let me say it this way. It's been so long since I've been youth president. Nobody remembers that I was youth president. That's how long it's been. Isn't that wonderful? Why? Because the guy that's in there now is doing a fabulous job. And I'm glad. When I turned it over to Scott Graham, because I handpicked him, who is now our general secretary. And I handpicked him for the job, because I prayed to the Lord of heaven, and he gave me Scott. 
handpicked him and I turned it over to him. He asked me one question. He said, Brother Kenzie, I want to know one thing. He said, you're the reason I'm here. Thank you very much. And he said that facetiously, but anyway, we was picking and he said, what do I do for you? I said, there's only one thing you do for me. Be the best youth president this organization has ever had. And the debt is paid. That's the spirit we need in this church. Support people. Come on, get with something. Get behind it. Focus on it. Let's make it a success. For the kingdom's sake. Can, can anybody do that? Listen, not everybody's going to do it just like you want them to do it. But it should be all right. Get with everybody. And let's make this the greatest church ever. 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 Because that's the way I believe it is supposed to work. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to get involved. Now, turn to somebody else and say, I support you. I support you. I support all of you. I support you. I support you. I support you, Jose. No way, Jose. Come on. Brother Sloan, we're going to have, it's going to be the best block party we've ever had. And God's going to use it somehow. If nobody comes to church, God's going to bring them from all around. There'll be 15 new people we don't even know where they came from. So I'm not worried about it. So I just support it. Now, listen to me. This is so valuable for you to make this commitment to God. I'm going to be available. I'm going to be friendly. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to make myself accountable to these things to dial it in. My God. So, if you commit right now, I want you to lift your hand and say, Brother Kenzie, I'm committed. I know it's a public commitment, but look at all the hands that are lifted. Look at how many people are committing. Look at that. Isn't it amazing? I mean, I believe in you. I believe in this church. I believe God's put it in us. It's been in you ever since the beginning of this church. I'm not even putting anything new in you. I'm just stirring up what's already there. I'm just stirring you up. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? You can feel the uncomfortable. That's good. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love being uncomfortable. Now, now you turn to your other neighbor right now and say, if you see me being comfortable, come kick me. If I'm comfortable, come kick me. Because I need somebody to make me uncomfortable. Get out of your comfort zone. 
You hear that a lot. Now I want you to lift your hands and I want you to speak it to the Lord. Come on now. Speak it to the Lord. And I want you to bless the Lord and say, God, I commit myself completely to you. I, com I commit myself completely to you. Help me to do whatever it is I need to do. I can't do it by myself, God, but I've got you in my life to help me. I believe in you, church. I believe you can do this. I believe you can support it. I believe you can get behind it. Now, if you go home, that's fine. But if you go out to eat, I want you to be aware of everybody around you. And just, if you, if you just sit, somebody needs prayer. Just go talk to them. Find out what they need. And you pray with them right there in the, in the restaurant. Don't make a nuisance of yourself. I don't want you to get thrown out. I want you to just be aware and watch. There's going to be testimonies all over this congregation of God opening doors for you to, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now, church. There's going to be opportunity for every one of you. Somebody thank the Lord for this. Now you committed to it. Now it's up to you to go do it. And I believe you will. So now let's practice friendliness right now. Turn around. I'm going to dismiss you. And I'm going to, I just want you to practice friendliness. Some of you haven't practiced this in a long time. And I want you to shake hands with everybody in this house and love on everyone right now. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.